we, we had to once explain that we weren't in Nebraska in Colorado Springs. <laughs> at the, right at the Golden Bee in Colorado Springs, some lady saw us and was like, go Huskers. And we're like, no, oh, no, oh, no. Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom. All right, welcome to episode 20 of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. This week, the regular crew is joined by the voice of the Huskies and the host of the Dirk Side on 93.5 FM WKMJ. Dirk Hembroff. Thanks for joining us, Dirk. Uh, We'll pick Dirk's brain on covering the team over the years, including managing the weekly radio shows. Plus, we'll discuss Jamie Phillips heading back to Houghton, Matt Roy getting a chance to rep the LA Kings for the NHL Players Association, and the CCHA commissioner situation. Anything big I'm missing, guys? No, that sounds like the, the news for now. All right. Uh, before we jump uh, to the thank you notes, uh, we have a few new patrons that I'd like to recognize. Tim Thorne, Craig Anderson, Brian Whedon, and our very own Mike Antleitner. All signed up since our last podcast in mid-May. Uh, thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it, and we'll continue to find ways to improve our content for all. There. Um for all of our patrons, if you would like to join Tim, Craig, Brian, Mike, and the rest of our patrons at whatever level, please check out patreon.com slash Guide. All right, time for the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor, and we'll come back and start with questions for Dirk. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Right, Dirk. So, how long have you been doing this now? Uh, this will be my nineteenth year of officially taking over for Bobbles. Okay. So eighteen, so then- eighteen in the can, and I was with him uh, his last year. Helped him out and filled in for him a few times the decade before. But yeah, officially taking over for Bob. This this will be my nineteenth year. Man, it doesn't seem like it does not seem like it's been that long. Was, mm-hmm. I grew I grew up with Bob. That's who we listened to. Absolutely, know. yeah. You know, so when we started, and I think a lot of our audience is a little bit too young to to know uh, and and have heard Bob before. But I I kind of if you ask me, Bob's kind of like the the Bob Euchre for the Brewers of hockey of Husky hockey, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, just um, an icon. I mean, it was. Um, you know, such a small town radio situation, but um, he brought a giant size enthusiasm to it without without question. And I mean, there there is the one guy that ate, slept, breathed Michigan Tech hockey and Michigan Tech sports in general. Yep. 
Well, I mean, he had the national reach with it too, with the pole that a lot of people didn't realize was there for a long time too. Yeah, different, different, completely different era. Obviously, no internet, or at least internet wasn't big. And um, yeah, the guy. I still remember the board operators for Bob's games. I mean, literally sweating profusely, you know, trying to keep up with playing ads for the games and keeping track of people calling in for scores. And then obviously at the end of the night, every Friday and Saturday night, that person running the board would have to go and, and call all of the, the venues, get a score, and then record it old school style on an on a answering machine so that when people called the team line or called the, uh, the Wimple line, whatever, um, they could sit there on the phone and get the, uh, get the scores every night at 3 o'clock in the morning or whatever. And do Dustin, you and Tim know what, what Dirk's talking about there? Actually, yeah, we I kind of think I we did a piece on the history of that when we started our poll in the early stages of the Tech Hockey Guide, but I didn't know that until oh I don't know probably three four years into Misfits before I even realized all that stuff happened because I I think actually my first year of school so you started in like ninety eight ninety nine or my little. Or is that a little too far back? You're talking to me? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was there, but I, I took over for Bob officially in the 0203 season. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. you took over before I became a fan. I was at school, but I didn't really, like the whole Misfits birth stuff happened after you started the year right. after that. Right. So. And, you're, and you're, you guys are talking about the poll too. I guess I was talking yeah. about the uh, score line. But yeah, the, the, yeah. Pole, the pole where Edda, yeah, Edda, his wife, every Monday morning would sit on the phone for an hour and call coaches to um, gather the poll votes, and then that would be released, and that was the national poll. It was all done manually. There was <laughs> there was no emailing stuff in or anything like that. It was it was it was old school, but it was cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fun little bit of hockey history that I don't think a lot of current tech fans may may know about. Uh, the that Michigan Tech was the national poll. Wimple was the national poll for a long time right. before there was a USCHO poll, before there was the uh, the other poll too that's out there, the U.S. News USA poll. USA Today, right? yeah. Well, I think, I, think the USA, I think the USA Today poll took over. I think that was the takeover of the Wimple poll. I'm not positive on that, but I think that's what the case was. I, I think believe it might it be only... like a year of overlap or so. I don't okay. think there's much okay. though. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 uh, – you know, tech's got, tech's got a lot of history that people don't realize, I think, at times, especially some of the folks that we know and we that learn in the Discord channel that are, are recent fans or current students don't necessarily know some of that history behind it. That's, you know, when you've had a program that's been around for 100 years, there's a lot, a lot of stories out there that, uh, that can probably be retold. And that's definitely, definitely one of them. Definitely. So on Facebook, Scotty, oh, man. Geverink asked, <laughs> in all your years of announcing tech hockey, who, in your opinion, has been the best player to put on an MTU jersey? Mm. And, and we'll let you uh, try and answer well, that from O2 forward or just in general who you've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, I, I, would, go, I would start from when I was um, – I mean, as a kid, I watched tech hockey and had, you know, idols back in, in those days too. But um, – um, right off the bat, as far as favorites, um, especially early on, Chris Connor was maybe the most fun player to watch and broadcast. He was the Barry Sanders of 
tech <laughs> hockey. I mean, what? That is, that is a perfect analogy, a bright light yeah. in dark times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, and where he literally was somebody that people would go to watch him play and um, was a big draw. I still remember um, Jamie Russell, rightfully so, sat him out um, in an exhibition game against one of the Canadian schools that came in for the first game. And um, it was like Jamie's second year, I think. And absolutely the right thing to do as far as the big picture. But boy, there were a lot of people really disappointed coming to that exhibition game to find out he was not going to be in the lineup. So, um, you know, without a doubt, he, he, was, he was one of the most exciting uh, players to watch. And of course, went on to a, a, a bit of a surprising, surprisingly long professional career. I mean, and, to, you know, to make the show and play with guys like uh, Sid the Kid and stuff like that. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. He, he, was, he was something special. And he was still playing in professionally as of when the season ended this last, oh, yeah. this last year. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, he's still so that's playing. A impressive career. Yeah. Yeah, I think without um, him and, and Colin Murphy, we probably wouldn't have misfits because they made those years way more fun than they probably should have been for how bad they were. Mm-hmm. And we do have to remember how good the WCHA was at that time, too. I mean, oh, yeah. It was, um, you know, well, we all know. I mean, it was it was an all star league. It was it was it was pretty impressive and uh, consecutive year after year after year of uh, of uh, Hobie Baker winners and um, and national champions. You know, so but yeah, it was uh, it was a different time and, and and Chris Connor definitely stood out in those early years. Either you guys got any questions? I have a couple more from patrons, but oh, well, let's go through the patron questions first, then we can go. So Mark Bailey via Patreon was curious, what is your favorite Husky moment uh, during your career covering them? Um, there are two that really stand out. There are certainly about a dozen that are big. I, I don't, it'll be tough unless we win a national championship to, to surpass what happened against Bowling Green uh, two years ago or three years ago, what three years ago, I guess, whatever that was. Um, you know, that, that was just the, as a broadcaster, one of the perfect storms you could uh, ever ask for. You could not really draw it up much better than that home crowd. Just the way we got the home championship game, um, having to have an upset somewhere else in the, in the playoff in the postseason there for that to happen. And then to have a double overtime breakaway goal. I mean, you, you can't write it up any better than that. It's almost, um, you know, destiny thing, I guess, kind of comes into it and almost as if, you know, God's looking down and said, okay, boys, that's it. Uh, you guys aren't going to win another game. <laughs> it's going to be bad after this, but, but this, this is your moment here. And there's a lot of things played into uh, that next game not being very, very good for the Huskies. But, yeah, um, that, that one really stands out. Um, it'll be hard. It was, it was hard to overtake the Northern Michigan 7-6 uh, overtime win when Jamie Russell was in his um, first first year, and I know you guys all remember that. So it was. Uh, oh, I remember it listening to you announce it in the car because we left early. Yeah, <laughs> I had a lot of people tell me that. A lot of people tell me they got to the bottom of McGinnis Drive. That's about where we were, and tur- and turned around. <laughs> 
That was the that was the first Michigan Tech hockey game that I ever saw in my oh, wow. freshman year. So <laughs> that one had to be away. Yeah. You you know it's special when I can tell you the date whenever you bring it up, October eighteenth, two thousand three. Yeah. Well, and what a lot of people forget, who maybe weren't as focused on that game as as we were, there was a lot that played into not only that game but the the night before when. Tech lost in overtime um, on, a, I think it was a five-on-three power play goal. Um, and I think Chris Conner had all – well, whatever it was. It was it was intense that game, too. And it was a very tough ride home after that game. And, and to come away with that uh, seven-to-six victory, being down three, three goals with um, two and some change left to go was pretty incredible. I do think that's one of my favorite things about the realignment is that us and Northern being in the same league and getting to play those games on a regular basis – and getting four of them every year and ending the year every year with Northern is I think one of the big positives of the realignment. Those, those series now have, they're regularly there and it, it hasn't, uh, hasn't diminished the fun of the series at all in any way. And it's fun that both teams are relevant now for so many years. They're only, you know, they're only fun games because it was a rival series, right? But now both teams are playing for for more than that. Both teams are 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 good on the way up. I think so. I think it's only going to get better in the next few years. Yep, I would agree with you. That's why we try to make the drive up to Marquette. It's not. It's it's our second. You know, one of our shortest trips we can make from down here in the valley, in Wisconsin. Yeah. So we try to make it up for that series most of the time. I think the recruiting aspect of it too has the fact that these two teams now are really battling on the recruiting trail for a lot of the same players, it seems like. And, you know, with the portal now in place, you know, it just widens that um, that friendly hatred for each other, I, I think, and, <laughs> and, and makes it, um, you know, makes it what it should be. It should be a rivalry that, um, that these two schools and the two teams don't like each other. And, and it, that's how it's turned out to be. And you talk about they're both relevant – there have been times where one team has been relevant and the other team hasn't or they've switched throughout the years. But yeah, for them to be pretty equal um, these days, it, it makes a lot more fun. Well, it's always fun to, you know, like the, the last couple of years we've gone there and ended their season, which is enjoyable of itself. But then you also get, you know, going all around town afterwards or talking to fans at the arena before you leave, you get that UP camaraderie about it where they're like, all right, you guys are the ones that are moving on. We're rooting for you now, <laughs> you know, which is a unique bit, I think, from a rivalry standpoint. You're not going to hear that between Minnesota and North Dakota, you know, or, or State and, and, and the Wolverines. You're not going to get that kind of friendly, all right, we're rooting for you guys now that you've left the UP and you've left us behind kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, is a unique aspect of the rivalry for sure. Yeah, we got that a lot when we were out after the game, the, the championship game, when we were out in Marquette and yep. talking with a lot of Northern fans and you know giving them crap and them giving it back. And all in the end, it was very friendly and you know it, it's it's a healthy rivalry, but it, it's not malicious, which is nice. Well, it's the same thing you see with any type of UP sports from high schools down, right? You know, there's a reason why anytime someone comes back across the bridge for playing downstate, they get an escort from St. Ignace, right? Mm-hmm. You teams all back each other, and it's one of the nice, unique aspects of the UP itself. So, and you see it, like I said, with with Tech and Northern. Even it makes it uh, it's definitely a, a fun, fun little side effect of the rivalry for sure. Except for that that little man, we don't really like him. 
there's 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 a difference between liking the players and liking the team, right? Right. <laughs> I don't know. The stuff that went on at the end of, of this year is like the perfect bite to me. That's it's it's not over the top, but it's enough that you both fan bases are getting riled up about what the other team is doing. That's the fun of, of a rivalry. That's what you should see. The thing that I really noticed lately is, uh, and I guess it's been always been there, but these kids coming in, you know, the, the few kids that we have coming in from Western Canada and, you know, wherever, you know, that are far, far away, never had anything to do with the Michigan Tech Northern rivalry. And how quickly, how quickly these kids, when they join the Huskies, realize and genuinely have it in their fiber the rivalry and what it all means and and to me that's that's what it's all about if the kids if the the the, if the players don't care i mean they can say that yeah you know we don't like northern or northern you know northern doesn't like tech and um we know the fans don't like it and stuff like that but if they if they don't you know if they don't genuinely feel that um that rivalry in their gut um, you're not going to get that same uh, that edge i guess going out there i these kids i think on both teams get it right away. That's one thing I've really noticed in the last uh, three or four years, or maybe I've paid more attention to it, but um, it, it, it's, it's pretty, and when guys have to sit out for those games, they are very, very unhappy. So that's a good thing. Well, I think it helps too with, you know, the, the misfits always bring a big group and all that tension that's been created the last couple of years over how many tickets we get to Northern games, specifically playoff games has just added to it and the players can feed off that with the misfits there being loud the whole time. Like that championship game, like, like, I don't know, like somehow that game was fun from beginning to end, even though it was what, two nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just crazy how much tension there was in the building and all the cheering and chanting and everything going on that like, it's hard not to uh, just, for everybody to just soak up that rivalry and just have fun with it. Let me tell you from a, a broadcaster's point of view, I mean, everywhere we go, as you guys know, we, the misfits, you guys travel so unbelievably well. And it, it, it gives us goosebumps when we go some someplace else and we see that and, and we see the other, um, you know, the other staff that's working in the press box or whatever. And they just, they shake their head. They can't, it can't get over it, especially when we go someplace new, new like um, Arizona State or, or somewhere that we're not usually there. Huntsville. They I can't, can't believe they bust to Huntsville. That that still is mind-boggling to me. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, how, how about Fairbanks? I mean, every year I've been uh, yeah, in I've Fairbanks. Made the I've made the trip twice myself. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's just, I mean, it's just like, uh, how does this happen? But it does. And There's nothing better but, than going to an opposing uh, rink and having it be over Thanksgiving so all their students are gone. Right. And you can be the only loud people in the building. It's a really right. good time. <laughs> but there's a genuine what, – what's so cool, though, is, is you're kind of talking about with the rivalry with Northern Michigan. There, you know, there's a genuine um, admiration from the home fans to you guys and, and the misfits and everything that are there. They really admire what is done. They applaud it. Um, they, they welcome it, as we do here at the beginning of student ice cream, though it doesn't happen as much as maybe we would like it to to see some of those other teams travel a little bit better. But um, it, 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 it's really um, enjoyed by the other, other schools to see that. And kind of, it's a blueprint for what can happen, I think, what other schools uh, should be doing. And I think that's some of them are taking notice of it. 
Well, Northern sent a pretty good contingent of students up this year for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents' seats are over there in Section G, so they're always where the guest block is as well, right? So they get surrounded by whoever comes, uh, <laughs> typically. So this year was one of the first times where, you know, both my mom and dad were texting, complaining about all the Northern fans in their section kind of thing. And I remember growing up that, that there, there was a lot more of that. We'd be filled, the section would be filled with like Badger fans or filled with mm-hmm. Minnesota fans that were coming over. And that really hasn't happened as much, I don't think, in the last few years. Uh, like you're no. saying, it's, it's, the, the traveling from the other side has gone down as the geography of the league has spread out. But I think there's something unique about so Michigan hopefully. Tech. You see those, you're talking about the Badgers and even the Fighting Sioux and, and the Gophers and stuff like that. And everybody's, you know, that's impressive and everything. But what makes the Huskies travel so cool is that it, it is some, from such a small school in a small town. And I think that's what blows people away. Yep. Yeah, when you have to explain, no, you're not Michigan State, or no, you're not Michigan when you're in some other place, it's always a, it's always a fun time. <laughs> we, we had to once explain that we weren't Nebraska in Colorado Springs. <laughs> at the, right? at the Golden Bee in Colorado <laughs> Springs, some lady saw us and was like, go Huskers, and we're like, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> not uh, the right colors. <laughs> that was the, uh, the uh, three-game playoff series we won out there. Mm-hmm. First, the well – the first time in my career that that happened because it's happened twice i think right both times mm-hmm. that we made the final five in the old league were correct before like since 2000 or whatever before the long gap of getting to the final five yeah i think my my, my favorite accidental running in and having to explain ourselves still is that first arizona state tournament at the Eagle river arena or we went outside yeah. into the college game day thing, and it was like the seven or eight tech fans on, surrounded by Clemson and Alabama fans, and everybody's looking at us as we walked out of the out of the hockey rink, and we did D to the X and made a bunch of noise, and then just left, and everyone was super <laughs> confused. <laughs> but yeah, that kind of stuff and traveling is, is fun, and I suppose you get to see that all there because you're you're traveling as well. So yeah, yeah, it's it's cool. So I assume. On all those trips, you're just are you riding the team bus? Are you riding with somebody else like Calvin, or how are you getting there? Uh, it, it changes from from trip to trip. Um, when I first started, I went with the team everywhere because I didn't know these places. I didn't. I wasn't uh, familiar with any of the away rinks or the away towns, for that matter. Um, so I would take the bus. Um, you know, I had, I had a completely different job along with everything I did in radio. So I was working. Um, basically two full-time jobs and so when that was happening I the team was leaving earlier and earlier they're leaving Wednesdays nights you know stuff like I just could not afford to be taking that much time off so I for a, a good five six seven years I pretty much drove everywhere um, unless you had to fly and uh, drove drove back the night at, you know the same night that the game was done on Saturday and drive all the way home but um, that really wore on me. That wore on my wife, worrying about me. And so <clears throat> now I'm in a different situation now, employment-wise. And so I'm able to go more with the team these days. But uh, it, it depends on the trip. Okay. So when you do travel, I assume you know you, you know most of the other radio guys around the league as well, right? You you sit down, you talk to them, right? Yeah. I've always you know, wondered from a radio perspective, do you guys actually sit down and exchange like name pronunciations and stuff like that? Is that yep, a little ab- behind the scenes thing you guys run through before for each other? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I usually end up asking 
their play-by-play guy on any of the new guys and even some of the old guys. I mean, I really have gotten bad at remembering pronunciations from year to year. So I have to refresh my memory. And um, yeah, I, um, that happens just about every weekend for sure. You got to imagine it's fun to explain the three different pronunciations of Pietal to people. <laughs> I've done that a couple of times. That one. <laughs> no, no, this uh, one's that I'm, one, and this one's that one. <laughs> I, I'm glad somebody still remembers what I had to go through that year. <laughs> that had to have been just awful. I, I struggle. I struggle with just the downstate pronunciation, let alone from the you know the Houghton Hancock pronunciation. Well, the, the 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 struggle was whether or not I was doing the right thing. I mean, I went right to the family. Yeah. <laughs> and and asked, okay, well, we got three guys here. You know, how do you want me to differentiate them on the ice? Do we go with all three different uh, pronunciations? And I, uh, I think Blake said yes, and Aaron was okay with it, and Chad said, oh, what the heck? And then I actually talked to the mom, and they said, okay, well, it didn't take too long with uh, Grandpa Fiatla listening. He said, no, <laughs> you go with one pronunciation. I said, thank you. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> grandpa wins yeah. well bob olson uh, said um, the only thing that every person has is their name and um try to get it right he was the one that, that and i get it wrong a lot but that was one thing he always said you know try to get their name right because that's that's what's going to make people think that you're not on your game more than anything else so yeah i would i I i'll admit that's the first thing i'll notice for uh you know i don't i don't usually listen to you on the away games because i'm watching the video feed and i like to listen to the home announcer on the video feed i can't do i can't handle doing the sync the two things together thing yeah i'm just not gonna take the time to do that i'll usually listen to the home feed with the exception of sometimes the last few years huntsville has been a bit too rough to listen to um but other than that i've definitely I'll definitely listen to the, the home announcer. And if, if the names are getting pronounced wrong, that's by far one of my biggest pet peeves uh, with, uh, with a game being called for sure. So what's the hardest part about doing the, the weekly, monthly, however you want, the, like the Joe Sean hour or the Mel Pearson show stuff? The hardest part about it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't really look at it as being difficult, I guess. I, I, trying to be relevant with it. I, I, I wish I had more time to put more into it. Um, just not to prepare. Yeah. To prepare. I mean, I, I prepare, obviously, all the goals and, and stuff like that. But um, uh, it, it, it'd, be more, it'd be better if we could get um, – it, it was at a time where we could get um, coaches on and, and uh, other – you know, team representatives on, but you know, there's so I'm starting to look at it more and more as you're, the technology now is so out there. These, these coaches are interviewed six, seven times a week. Um, with the same questions being posed to them that I really take that into consideration, not only with, you know, not trying to drag people on for the Joe Sean hour, but also, um, you know, when I do my interviews on Friday nights before the weekend, um, you know, the, these coaches, and I think people tire of hearing these coaches having to answer the same question. So um, it, it, it's a different time right now. And I, I, I guess I, I'm okay with just Joe or, and, and or a player on with us. I think people, most people are okay with that. Um, but I wish I had more time to really put more into that hour. And I just hope that it's enough the way it is right now. 
I mean, we consciously, at least for us doing the weekly podcast, we make sure we don't do some of the stuff that you cover, right? We don't right. cover, we, don't, we, we try to on purpose not cover each goal and uh, in the actual, you know, like a breakdown of the game because you guys do such a good job of covering it on the Monday show. Mm-hmm. It'd just be redundant for us to do it on the podcast too. Right. So. Or even or even recaps. Like we yeah, we, we do, stopped doing them. <laughs> we don't do recaps because you get that at USCHO. You guys talk about it on the show. Like you, the people who are listening to us watch the games, listen to the games for the most part, or already looked at the box score. They don't need more. They need us to try and give them like what big takeaway we noticed versus like a specific moment. Um, but the other thing I was wondering about, like, so how. Do you invest much into like weeding through all the questions? Because I like the more we listen, the more you see how much. And I don't really want to call out fans per se, but like you can tell that they know how to push Joe's buttons. Mm. Like it, it comes out in the questions that they they're trying to get him to go someplace, and and it's and it's obvious that that's where the questions go. And the whole like, I mean, we've talked about it over and over again about the the millennials and all that kind of stuff and the difference of the kids these days kind of things. And you can just see that the questions are leading Joe somewhere sometimes. Yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, and what's been so great about Joe and with Mel since we started doing the shows again, that, um, you know, they, for the most part, they'll answer just about any question. Uh, Maybe they won't give exactly the answer that people are looking for because they have to, you know, there is something in, in the unknown for the uh, general public or not knowing, but for the most part, they, they answer. And I, if there's a question that I think is a going to, like you said, lead him in, in, in the direction that maybe isn't the best for the programmer. And I will brief him on it uh, ahead of time if I can. But a lot of times I just shoot right there as, I mean, sometimes as you probably can listen to the show, there's questions that are coming in, you know, two minutes before the end of the show. And we're trying to, trying to get those in. So it, it depends, but, we try to um, kind of make sure that we don't go down too many rabbit holes there. <laughs> yeah, I have I have a much uh, a much greater appreciation of live content after doing this a while, and we get to Tim gets to touch it up afterwards. You know, being on there live <laughs> and having it just go out and be what's going out that's that's a whole different ball game. And I have a big appreciation for those of you guys that do live radio yeah. like that. It's I, I mean, see a little bit behind the scenes of what we're doing here now. <laughs> you mean yeah. that well, Tim Tim spends like seven hours uh, the <laughs> night after we record to edit by touching up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we don't have your giant tangents about what was it two times? I don't know. Like, I left like the, a ten minute segment was, in for the patrons. That was all about. It was. I don't even remember. Was it about the the expanse or something? And we did talk about the yeah the expanse one time. I don't I don't know how we got on that, but because we had Jeff on so you wanted to ask him about it because he's works for NASA oh yeah he's a rocket scientist yeah so yeah it's been it's been fun like and I yeah I totally do appreciate you guys doing the live stuff more now after going through this and and I know I'm a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to editing this thing because it kind of how you say like you know we you know the only thing they have is their name I'm trying to make it sound good because at least even if people don't like the content, at least they won't be annoyed with how it sounds when they listen. <laughs> we, um, you know, we, Mel wanted to take questions live on the air and 
you have no filter at that point. If you, if you're, <laughs> if you let somebody start, I mean, fresh with no delay, nothing, you know, nothing like that. Um, you could get in big trouble. So yeah, we, we, I, I kind of said, no, we should probably go by email here and, and at least we have the ability to filter something out if something comes in. That uh, reminds me of like the, it's an old, it's a Youper skit on one of their old albums where the guy's calling into the talk radio and he's trying to sell, sell different types of manure. And so it's, uh, you know, I got that cheap shit for sale. I got that couch shit for sale. You know, mm-hmm. you go through it. Yeah, same thing. And the, the guy that's doing the, the skit is he's, he, he freaks out and they're, they're off the air for a while in the skit. You know, same thing, right? He corrects the guy because there's old ladies and children listening is what he says. <laughs> But yeah, we don't we don't have that problem. Tim can edit and bleep things if he wants to. <laughs> yep, and I have. <laughs> yeah, it's probably me most of the time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's a different uh, different ball game for sure. You think we'll have a season this year? I do. I think it's going to look very different, um, but I think we'll have a season. Gosh, I hope so. I I, I really, um, you know, you look at. What Bretzman, Bliss, oh, I know. Caratino, I yeah. Yeah. Uh, Logan Pietla coming on at the end. I mean, I cannot wait to watch these guys back on the ice. I, I just cannot wait to watch these guys back on the ice and find yeah. out what's going to ha- happen with goaltending and, you know, and, and, and defense, which I think will be okay there. But uh, I cannot wait to see what these juniors especially, what these juniors are, are going to be uh, able to do this year. No, I've yeah. had this coming season circled basically since you saw that freshman class two years ago, because you knew that, like, I like the, well, I guess some of them left now, but I like the senior class that's left as far as, like, leadership and drive and and being, like, obviously they didn't get letters, but, like, Misiak is a guy whose engine never stops. No. Um, So you've got a certain group that's, that's there and then like they just keep getting better and that junior class like this year and next year like you have to have that circled as far as like expecting the team to be home ice and better the next two years and I look forward to seeing what happens it'll be interesting to see you know if we if fans are not allowed to be there and there's just games and that's going to be very different for Michigan Tech in particular with your with your road travel and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you're, you talk about Missyak. I mean, he's such a good – I mean, how somebody can be the unsung hero every year. I mean, he's just one of those guys that has the ability to be the unsung hero every year. He's, he is the, um, the guy that really kind of makes everybody else go, and you don't even realize it sometimes. Just, and there, there is no player that, that gives such a consistent performance night after night. Yeah, and he, he doesn't always make the score sheet, but if you're actually paying attention to the game, he's he's mm-hmm. he's out there making things happen. And he you know, makes he, guys around him better. That's that's really what you want from a guy like that. Yep. Yeah. It's so. yeah. This this year is one like Tim said. I'm looking forward to as well from a, from a class perspective, and things feel like culture wise is finally starting to click properly. Started you know this year, so hopefully we we see a a good year and if it's without fans or whatever I mean I hope it doesn't come to that but it's it's been really weird for me I'm a big soccer fan watching the German league with no fans it's it's downright strange mm-hmm. but to watch video of of where you can hear literally everything that's being said on the ice because there's nothing else there's nothing else there right so 
being able to hear all the players yelling and, and no fan atmosphere whatsoever is is definitely an interesting thing and it, it just takes a piece of the game away it that certainly does is a big part of the entertainment it is and uh, we're trying to figure out if we're going to have to pump in any old crowd noise or anything like that for our uh our games like Fox is planning on doing with those uh, football games with uh, Joe Buck and all that stuff. So yeah, we'll see what happens. I really hope, I really hope the NFL and the other leagues find a way to kind of have like a simulcast so we can hear all the players and everything unedited on one channel if we really want to, (laughs) because I would love to hear the coaches and everything and the players interacting with each other way more than we get right now. If there's no fans. Like, I want the option to do that so you can hear, like, the audibles and everything else going on and not just the crowd noise. But who knows? It'll definitely be weird. I know I watched a little bit of Korean baseball the other day, and they had, like, the posters and all the seats and sections in the outfield, and it's just weird, like, seeing, like, fake people out there. <laughs> well, yeah, it underscores how much the sports games aren't just the game itself. It's the It's the atmosphere around the stadium. It's the you know, meeting up with other fans and, and, and the actual excitement of the game itself. That's a huge part of the, the value of the game, right? Otherwise, it just feels like a scrimmage at practice. You know, yeah. that intensity is naturally missing when you don't have somebody, somebody, people in the stands yelling at you <laughs> or for you. <laughs> Dustin, who was that, that, um, like, we went to the, was it the Yankees-Twins playoff game way back when at the Metrodome, and the one guy rounded sink it because he heard the roar of the crowd and got tagged out when he wouldn't have gone if the crowd hadn't roared. So you have all those kind of things, too. I, I remember that. I, yeah, I remember that. I, I do not remember who it was. I think it was, but, yeah. I think it was Nick Punto. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting taking that out of the game, especially – like we said earlier, the Michigan Tech perspective of us traveling so well and creating atmosphere when maybe there isn't as much on the road. I, so I remember at that game try, sitting behind in an in a obstructed seat because we were like behind a post or something like that in, the, in like the second to the top row of the Metrodome. Yep. And then having earbuds in, trying to listen to Tech at Lake State, I think, uh, one of the first games of the season and we were at a <laughs> playoff game and trying to listen to the tech game. Yeah, I, think I, I remember that. Because I think I, we had one phone going, and we each had one earbud in. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I think we all have a story of listening to Dirk somewhere where we weren't supposed to be listening to Dirk and getting in trouble. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe weddings or... <laughs> I know for a fact I've had Dirk in my ear at Broadway shows. <laughs> <laughs> I remember falling asleep to Dirk at Deer Camp trying to listen to the Alaska games and then turn around and get up at like... 5.30 to go deer hunting. <laughs> wow. That's impressive. I listened uh, to the end of the, uh, the end of an Alaska game uh, right when I woke up early to catch a flight in, in Sweden once. <laughs> yeah, wow. we, uh, we, we, Scott Yeager and I uh, outdrank a bunch of Scotsmen at a, at a wedding in Scotland and stayed up listening to you as well. Everybody else went to bed. We kept drinking and listening to the hockey games. I actually got ourselves locked out of getting back into our hotel room and had to sleep on couches because none of us had cards to get back in. (laughs) The sun came up while we were listening to hockey. That's kind of weird. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Your voice makes it all around the world because of that. (laughs) 
All right, Dirk. Well, we've probably taken enough of your time and can cover a couple other things here without you if you want to go. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, you guys do a great job, and I, I hope we do have a season. Yeah, so we all do for sure. I'm tired of I'm tired of Zoom meetings. <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yep. I'm thankful I haven't had too many other than our tech hockey guide stuff. So that's been good. Uh, it's a WebEx and Zoom is my work life right now for a lot of it. So it's uh, it, I've had enough. <laughs> yeah. well. All right. Yeah, well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for joining us, Dirk. All right, so I had notes on three things that we can – well, four things I guess we can talk about. Um, Jamie Phillips, we found out officially now that Jamie Phillips is heading back to Houghton for grad school, and he will be a volunteer assistant helping with goaltending. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that, but I really can't think of a better situation for Tech to get, you know, somebody with connection to the program – in the skill level that he had that he can help nurture these goaltenders that we have. And that can kind of tie into the fact that we are now allowed to say the name Garrett Metcalf on the podcast. Cause he, Oh, are we now? Okay. Yeah. He mentioned it on some podcasts. It's not official yet, but it's in the public domain. Now. <laughs> okay. So I'm not worried about it anymore. There's been plenty of speculation on, uh, on discord about it. Yeah. For sure, and, and people have been tiptoeing around it, so that's nice to know that we can actually say so. He's coming from – it's from Mercyhurst, right? Yep. So. And he's drafted by the Ducks. Um, well, last time we, we had a Ducks would be draft his, pick, it was a fairly good uh, good season, yeah, right? Right. <laughs> he would be our – he we Michigan Tech is his third team, though, because he started off at Lowell, transferred out of there, and went to Mercyhurst, and now he's grad transferring to Tech. Um, it's not the first time maybe, we've done that either, though. No, and maybe if we get a um, a chance to talk to uh, Cam some other time, we'll we'll ask him a little bit more about what he knows because he was a coach when Garrett when he was, was at Lowell. Lowell. Yeah. Well, with you know with Bedouin leaving, you got to fill that gap somehow. So that's what the transfer portal is there for. I'm glad you're not scrambling to find you know another freshman to bring in. And can actually no, bring somebody I think, in. I think it worked I all think, well. I think Metcalf is a guy that Joe wanted, you know, towards the top of his list, maybe even the top available grad transfer. So Jamie Phillips, we didn't really talk about him. What do you guys think about having him back? I think it's fantastic. Have a, a goalie that's got some professional experience that played really well while he was at Tech, knows Tech well, knows the culture. So you're not bringing somebody in that doesn't necessarily you know, understand Houghton, right? Uh, I think it's it's the perfect opportunity for him to be able to come in and work on his grad stuff and coach at the same time. That's You can't ask for a better way to take care of that, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a good pickup for all involved, it seems like, which is always a, a positive. It's he's, always, He should be a good voice for the team. It always drives me nuts, too, when you see, like, the number of coaches per team for different sports at the NCAA level, right? Like, a basketball team that has 13 players, I think, gets three coaches, right? Typically. I think it's more than three. <laughs> right. So and then you look I think at it's, hockey, like, three, three or four. Like, I, don't, hockey, I really don't understand why hockey doesn't have four paid coaches because you right. have three positions and a head coach. Like, yeah, exactly. I, I don't get it. It makes no sense to me why hockey is hamstrung with three. 
you could definitely use, you know, like you said, all the positions having their own type of coach. Then football basically has a team of coaches. You literally could play basketball with your football coaches. You've got enough people to make a basketball team out of them. You know, yeah. so it's it's super frustrating to me that the NCAA only gives three to, to hockey, but it is what it is, and most teams make do with that, and they have the you know, other, you know. So we'll actually have two volunteer coaches then, right? At that point, hmm. why is that? Shalast is still there, right? And he's he's not a volunteer coach. He's a strength and conditioning coach no, for the okay, team. Okay, so he's and, considered a player position a, then. Okay, and he's only allowed to be on the bench if one of the other three coaches is recruiting. Uh, okay, I guess I hadn't picked like, up on that. They're only allowed to have three guys on the bench for a game. So even if Jamie travels, he can't be on the bench. Like, it's sure, still the same. Sure. Between Tyler and Jamie, only one of them can be on the bench. They could both travel and one could be in the box, but not on the bench, I think. Gotcha. Well, I mean, that goes to show, though. I mean, you, got, you have former players that are back that have yeah. a desire to come back and, and contribute back to the team after they're done uh with hockey themselves so it's it uh it just goes to show the, the how good the program does with the alumni agreed i think it's a really good thing uh the other thing that i saw come across the news at some point or twitter or whatever is that matt roy former hosky has been named the nhl player association rep for the la kings i think that must say a lot about him personally that the, his team you know that the program expects him to be and in contributing part of the team all year because why would you pick a rep that's not expected to be on the Kings all year? And then to have him be, at, you know, for as young as he is, that he's chosen to be the rep for a team like the Kings, that, that says a lot to me. Yeah, I think that's interesting. It's part and gets him in part of the hockey world that's not necessarily the playing part too, right? He's going to have a, a a role there that you don't necessarily have just playing. So. You know, like you said, it's a big amount of trust from the rest of the team to to nominate him to be that and for him to do that. So it's it's good to see, for sure. How much of a time outlay is that? Do you know? Like what what's their actual commitments for that? I've honestly no idea. I don't really pay much I honestly don't know. I I really don't know what the commitment said, is for something like that. I said before, the only time I watch the NHL is to, you know, watch a tech player play. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I tend not to care too much about it, which is very different from most hockey fans that I know. <laughs> so the other thing I had on my list was we could touch on, because I think we talked about Huntsville canceling the program, but like when we recorded, that was the week before like they canceled but we they had we didn't know they saved yet. so yeah so now they're saved and then we've also got um liu we can kind of talk a little bit more about mitch meek uh transferring there yeah they've been they've been stocking up on the transfers like the whole transfer portal basically has become a shark or are they, the sharks right and there's right. some kind of fish thing yeah they just i think i saw on twitter uh this last couple of days that they got two goalies from hockey east so they're going to be able to hit the ground running with what seems like a mostly D1 roster. It's kind of different from Arizona State's first couple of years where it was the club players playing up and D1 guys, right? So, And it does sound like they're actually going to have – it's not a full schedule, but they're going to have an actual decent D1 schedule for this coming year, which 
I don't know about you guys, but I find it to be kind of mind-boggling that they were able to actually get games in with enough places to have a decent schedule. Yeah, I can't believe that the schedules weren't all full. That like there's enough movement to to add games from from with these other teams. And I figured that every every schedule would be you know, filled out and set in stone by this point in time. Yeah, I think it's just nuts to see that they were able to pull that together, and the fact that maybe part of the COVID stuff. I don't have anything that's been canceled necessarily that they're filling in for, you know, because they're another bus trip instead of a flight for some schools. Right. So you've had schools talk about canceling stuff where they have to fly instead of being, but has there been any, have there there been any official announcements on that? I don't, I I don't think think so. so. No, I, I don't think so either. So either way, it's been, it's been impressive to see them be able to, to put that type of a schedule together. And maybe that's just the difference between, you know, Eastern hockey versus Western hockey that I'm not aware of. Right maybe Eastern schools have more of a loose scheduling. Uh, and maybe it's just a matter of some schools decided to push back a couple different things that maybe some Eastern schools push back a flight, just and like the teams agreed to mutually push back a flight and they replaced it with LIU being able to bus up or whatever. Right. Well, it's gotta be easier to put together your schedule. You don't have to, you know, put air travel into it. So, I mean, it makes sense that they'd be able to put some of that stuff together, but, to get it done that quickly is, I think, super impressive. Agreed. We'll see how the product is on the ice. They don't have a rink yet, from what I understand, right? They're going to use the the rumors I've heard is the Islanders practice rink, basically, right? Well, it makes sense. It's not that far, and um, I'm sure it's a good facility, being what it is. Yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't seat very many, but it'll it'll work to start with. Uh, yeah, and then so Huntsville saved. I don't know what you guys think of that. I did chip in a little bit. I probably shouldn't have since they went way over their goal and didn't need my 25 bucks or whatever it was, but kind of felt like I should. Um, but having, well, it was interesting to watch just some of the names go by. Like There were recognizable names from all around college hockey uh, on, on their donation thing. Like. You know, one of the names that stuck out to me is I'm pretty sure I saw like Scott Sandlin and his wife were one of them that was on there one of the times I looked, right? So, you know, you're seeing all these different, uh, all these different names from across the college hockey landscape come together to get them another year. My worry is that that's all they got is another year. I mean, are they going to be able to sustain or get funding to keep the program going past this season? You know, selfishly, it gets us. It, it lets the WCHA not have to panic, right? And and you can figure fill out a schedule for this year. But are are they? And even Michigan Tech not having to worry about who's going to show Carney, up for right? Carnival. Yeah, what do you do there? You mean, you know, that's. Can you imagine a, a hockey season without a, a carnival without a hockey game series? Well, we probably would have just paid LIU to show up if we had to. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. But yeah, it's one of those things where it's. I, I don't know if what's happened it's good to see that their fan base and the hockey community in general came together to bring them back but is are they going to be able to keep going you know yeah i think the issue is unless they actually get some sort of institutional support from the university of alabama system it, it seems like they're they're never going to be on solid footing they somehow that situation needs to change because it, it can't be a constant. We need to raise money every year like this. This is, if this is a one-time thing, 
that's great, but there needs to be a long-term plan. Yeah, exactly. And, and then you have the whole situation of having to find a new coach when it's this late in the process already. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think we had... Well, they did pick up a coach, I think, right? Talking about... Oh, no, you're talking about Huntsville. I'm sorry. LIU. LIU got the guy that's like... He's, I'm older than him, I think, isn't he? Yeah, I think. I know I am. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's pretty he, close. He's like 37 close. or 39, something like that. Yeah, so he's a really young guy for to coach. So, but yeah, I don't his know parents what, went there. So, I don't know what uh, I don't know what Huntsville is going to do. No, that's for sure. Did they? Did they name? They didn't name anybody yet, right? I don't think so. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, what happens there for sure. They, uh, I know that uh, the whole staff basically just up and left over there, which is kind of a seemed kind of surprising. Well, but one of the assistants like stayed. Pushed out from one of the things I read. Yeah, it was just one. Right. It, it, big turnover. It sounds like it was pushed by some of the bigger donors, which that's fine. But I don't like. I understand you want some new face but it also seems like you're on such bad footing do you really want more change right now like and who's going to take the job until there's like knowledge that there's actually a program after next year right yeah it seems like not the uh not the place you you want to jump into from a job perspective right right he's 29 29 he's 29 wow if i'm looking at the right thing yeah he's 29 yeah and then that that is younger than i thought (laughs) yeah that's what i mean he's a really young coach well it makes sense that he's gonna it's gonna be a young guy because they don't have the budget to spend like the currently competitive salaries so and then he's got the liu connection with his parents having gone there so like it makes sense that he would be the guy versus some of the other possible choices. Um, so yeah, it makes some sense there. the The whole dynamic between those two programs is kind of interesting because I think LIU picked up two Huntsville players. I believe so. Yeah. And then, and then it it is kind of amazing. Like I think Dustin, you we were joking on Slack about wondering if Tech wanted any of those players, and you made some joke about how bad they are why would anybody want any of them and then i think one of them went to arizona state and another one went to one went to boston college yeah boston college so like there's some some guys there that obviously have some potential and who knows what they how they'll end up being at those schools but it's it's interesting for sure I think the only thing really left for me to talk about is just we're gonna do another monthly zoom chat since it's already the 16th and I don't have it tied down right now, it might happen in early July and then we'll just have to do start doing them at the beginning of the month. So our first two were April and May with Joe Sean and John Scott. The third one is not set yet, but based on some feedback we got from our group internally, I'm going to try and line up to have it be, hopefully be Alec Bratzman and maybe the include Trenton Bliss and Eric Goats. We'll see if we can get that all figured out and timing for everybody to do that. But keep an eye out for that. We should announce that soon. Anything else you want to talk about, guys? 
No, I said so. Dirk was on here. I'm just looking forward to hopefully having hockey in the fall. You know, it's yeah, it's uh, it's time for sports to be back. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have anything. Time for (laughs) yeah. Tell that to the MLB owners already. Jeez. Yeah. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash Guide. Patrons at the black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including uh, our Zoom chat and our monthly recruiting miniseries, which I need to get my butt working on. Follow us on Twitter at ChasingMacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. Thanks to Dirk Hembroff for joining us this week. I'd also like to thank our four newest patrons, Tim Thorne, Craig Anderson, Ryan Whedon, and our very own Mike Antleitner. You can submit questions through our email address, chasingmac at techhockeyguide.com, or send a voice message directly at anchor.fm slash chasingmacpod. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach. So tell your friends. As always, special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McRezin, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you would like to hear, uh, if you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. I met a beautiful brown-haired girl on a 